Have you ever been blindsided by plans before? Like uh, maybe, maybe you made plans with a friend but then found out that you had to babysit your siblings. Or, uh, or you, maybe you intended to go to Melt after church for lunch this past Sunday and found out it is permanently closed and you had to go somewhere else. Uh, or, or maybe, uh, maybe you were, you're getting ready to curl up with a book or, or play a video game and your, your, your parent walks by and they say, uh, why aren't you ready to go? And based on your look of confusion, they, they realize they, they need to explain something. Oh, did, did we not tell you what the plans were? I find that this happens a lot, that, that there, are, there are plans out there, and yet I don't seem to know them. And, and wouldn't it be nice if someone would just clue you in, if someone would just share the plans with you? And I think we feel that way sometimes when it comes to God. One of the great promises from Scripture is that God has a plan for each one of us. And, and, and we typically call this plan God's will for your life. And, and, and it is a good, it is a pleasing, it's even a perfect thing. And, and we hear that and we think to ourselves, that's great. What is it? What is this great, wonderful plan that he has for me? And that's what we're going to be looking at in this series uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different aspects of God's will for your life. But I think those different aspects will make a lot more sense if we begin with the end in mind. And, and so tonight, uh, I want us to grapple with what is God's end game? What, what, what is God's will leading us to? Uh, and we're going to hop around a little bit in, in Scripture to, to make our case, but we're really going to make three movements. I, I want us to, to first name what we hope God's will is, and then we're going to look at what it's not, and finally what it is. Okay? So, um, what, so here, here's what I, I, I think our hope that God's will is, is really rooted in a couple of verses that you are probably well familiar with. The first is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And then take that, couple that with Jesus' words in John 10.10, 10, that, that I have come to give you life and to have it abundantly. And, and so we take these two things, we put them together, and we, we get this idea that, that God's will is leading me to the good life. Uh, which the good life is a, a life that is happy, it's fulfilling, and it's insulated from, uh, from mistakes and pain and loss. And, and so we, within this good life, we, we would have the perfect career, the perfect uh, school and college choices, the perfect spouse, the perfect neighborhood, and we would make all of the right decisions. Uh, and, and so God's will then is... Um, it's the path that leads us to the good life. Um, it, it's kind of like the Peter Panda dance in Vin Diesel's The Pacifier. Like, show of hands, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, that makes me so sad. <laughs> it's apparently a data rip. Okay, so if you haven't seen The Pacifier, um, I think I can recommend it. It's pretty fun. So uh, Vin Diesel uh, is able to use words in this movie more than I am Groot. Uh, and... Uh, he is a Navy SEAL who's assigned to protect or babysit these three kids while the government is trying to retrieve some world-ending device that their dad built. 
Uh, and at the end of the adventure, they're in this booby-trapped room with the villains, and, and the, the MacGuffin they're trying to get is on the other side of the room. And so the villain, not taking heed that the room is booby-trapped, walks into the room and like this flamethrower goes off and like burns off her eyebrows or whatever. Uh, and so Vin Diesel, he's got a plan though, because he knows the path and it's a code called the Peter Panda dance. And so he's dancing around the room, he's stepping on all the right tiles and he gets across to the other side and he gets the device unscathed. That's how we think of God's will. We don't want to get our eyebrows singed off. We don't want to make any wrong choices. We don't want to end up in a job that we hate or married to someone that we can't stand. And so we do the Peter Panda dance. Uh, we, we try to follow God's instruction to the letter with the hope that he will, in return, reveal the, this perfect path that will lead us to a happy, blissful, mistake-free life. And, and we assume that if, if we aren't sure what that path is, well, that's because we haven't asked God enough or we aren't obedient enough for God to reveal it to us, that he's, he's hidden it from us and we just have to do the work to figure it out. At least that's our hope, that, that God's will, if we can find it, will lead us to the good life. Uh, how, however, I, I regret to inform you that's, that's not what God's will is. Um, God's will is, is not the path that leads to a happy, fulfilled, pain-free life. Uh, Jesus actually warns his followers of that in John 16.33. He, he, he explicitly says, in this world, you will have tribulations. You will have hardships and difficulty and suffering. Uh, and, and that's something like the Apostle Paul could easily attest to. Uh, if you know anything about Paul's life, I think we would, you'd be comfortable saying that he is someone that pursued and walked in God's will. Here is how he describes his experience. Uh, I'm reading from 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 23 and following. He says, um, context, he's, making, he's trying to put some people that are boasting in their place. Um, and so he's, he's speaking a little bit facetiously, but, but you'll hear his point. Uh, are, you, are they servants of Christ? Well, I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonment, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure." That's what God's will looked like for him. Even Jesus makes the case that, that God's will does not lead to a pain-free life. Uh, listen, listen again to Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane from Matthew 26. And it tells us that Jesus, he goes a little further, and he prays. He says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, as you will. God's will led his own son to pain and suffering. Happiness is not the goal. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you will, be, you will never be happy pursuing God's will. I, I can attest I'm very happy 
Uh, and I think all of your leaders can attest that there are periods where life is joyful and happy as we pursue the Lord. And I think they can also attest, and maybe you can as well, that there are also times where you are pursuing the Lord and life still sucks. As the writer of Ecclesiastes puts it, in life there are both times to weep and mourn and there are times to laugh and dance. And so what I'm trying to say is that happiness is not God's primary goal for you. It's, that's, not, that's not his end game for you. And so what is it? And probably the most succinct place to find that answer is First uh, Thessalonians 4.3, where Paul just comes right out and says it, that God's will for you is your sanctification, which is a, a fancy way of saying the process that you are made holy. Now, now holiness is, it is a, a hard thing to define and explain, and so I'm going to kind of take a cop-out answer, but I think it still works. So um, in First Peter, Chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Peter says this, um, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And so an easy way to remember what holiness is, is holiness is to be a reflection of God. That's what God's will is for you that you would image him, that you would be a reflection of him into his creation, which is, which is a far grander purpose than we typically aim for. Um, and I know I've used this before, but I found it tremendously helpful on this topic. So C.S. Lewis, in one of his writings, asked his reader to imagine that they are this little, broken-down, dilapidated cottage. Um, but then, then God comes along and he purchases you with the blood of his son. And unsurprisingly, he begins to make some renovations, some, some changes. He, he fixes the pipes. He patches up the holes in the roof. And those make sense to you. But then he starts doing some things that, that don't make sense at all. He starts knocking over that wall. He starts digging up that area. And it hurts and it's confusing. And it can cause us to wonder, what is God doing and Lewis says that, that the reason we're so confused is we've misunderstood the goal. Uh, we think that Jesus died so that we could be um, happy little cottages. That's not why he came for you. He came so that you and I might be made into palaces, into castles. The, 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 see, 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 God wants so much more for your life than for you to be a happy little human. He wants to shape you into the image of God that you were created to be, to reflect him and his character into the world. That's God's will for your life. And in this series, we're going to look at different parts of our life and how God's desire for your holiness impacts those areas. We're going to look at what God's will is for your money, how, how God's desire for holiness impacts the way you use your money or how it impacts your relationships, and yes, even how you make your non-moral choices. But what we have to understand is, is the truth uh, from our scripture reading. Again, that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. See, see, we can be utterly assured that God works 
all things, jobs, educations, marriages, and choices in our lives for our good. And do you know what that good is? It is to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, that doesn't mean that some choices aren't better than others, but, but God's will, the end goal for your life is for you to image him. And he will leverage everything in your life to make that a reality. And so, so let's just let's land the plane here uh, for this evening. What's God's will for your life? Where's he trying to take you? It, it's to be holy. It's to be a, a reflection of him. And, and, and over the next few weeks, we're going to, to unpack and see how this pursuit of holiness, this, this pursuit of God's will impacts different areas of our lives. But, but for tonight, for tonight, it's important that we just begin to wrap our minds around what God's will is. That, that could require a change in perception for some of us. But, but when, we get, when we grasp that, it'll help the other pieces fit in together.